The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Listen to what God said to a man named Abraham, Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Him dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. One word I want you to see. Was it blessed? What's it mean to be blessed? You sneeze, bless you, right? No. It means God's going to pour out grace to you. Grace is undeserved love. So God just took this dude from Ur, he's a random moon-worshipping dude, and God said, I'm going to make you mine. I'm going to bless you, and out of you, I'm going to make a family. Out of that family, I'm going to make a nation. And from that nation, I'm going to bless the earth. So what God is saying is, by my grace, I'm going to save people from their sins. I'm going to, I'm going to forgive them from my Um, For their sins, I'm going to bring them into my family, and I'm going to use you, Abraham, and your family. And we learn from that covenant, right? God made a covenant with Abraham. We learn how we get saved. Look at Genesis 15, 6. Precious little line, Genesis 15, 6. And Abraham what? What's the great deed he did right there? Believed the Lord. And God what? Counted it to him as righteousness. Wow, what a, this is a huge question. How do you get right with God? Oh, no, wait, don't you have to go to church every Sunday? Don't you have to belong to the right denomination? Don't you, have to, don't you have to be a really good person? Isn't that how you get right with God? Don't you have to look down on others who are different than you? I'm, I'm kidding. How do you get right with God? We have this idea, and so many religions teach us to it. You gotta earn it, you gotta do it. You can do it. And the Bible just gives you this dose of reality. Hey, man, give up on that trip, okay? Here's why. You can never be good enough to satisfy the righteous commands of a holy God. Look at, look at yourself with honest eyes. I'm not good. I break my own standard. I really break God's standard. But this is God's grace, that blessing. Abraham believed the Lord. You believe God's promises, and God says, all right, you're right with me. It's grace. It's grace. So in our covenant, God makes us with us. How are we saved? By grace, through faith. His love we don't deserve through trusting his promises. That's how we get saved. Second thing I want you to see today, look at Genesis 7, 17, 7. Genesis 17, 7, God says to Abraham, the same covenant, I will establish my covenant be- between me and you, drum roll, and who else? Your offspring, your children, after you throughout They're generations for an everlasting covenant. From generation to generation to generation, he's our God. He saves us and our children and anybody who wants to come in. He's faithful. His covenant includes us and our children. This is huge. Okay, maybe you went to Sunday school. Did you ever hear that somewhat obnoxious song, Father Abraham? Let's all stand up together. I'm just kidding. Right arm, left arm, anybody with me? Okay, silly song, but the truth is big. God's covenant with Abraham has never ended. It's just been fulfilled, perfected 
in Jesus Christ. Remember, God says, I'm gonna bless you, Abraham. I'm gonna make you a family. I'm gonna make you a nation. Through that nation, I'm gonna save the earth. That nation pointed to the one man, the king, the promised Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's the one. Look what he's done. Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So, hard truth. I deserve God's punishment for my sin. I I haven't loved him. I've denied him. I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. God is a good, just judge. I I deserve that punishment. But Jesus took it for me in my place. Jesus became the curse for us. Look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, you trust him in what he's done, what do you get? The blessing of Abraham. His covenant, that that covenant blessing where God shows grace and he saves you by his grace through what he's done through faith. That blessing to Abraham, that's ours as we trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus did it. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live. He did it. Jesus died on the cross as a substitute. In our place, he did it. Jesus rose from the dead and he reigns. He did it. One day he'll return to renew all creation and we receive his blessing through faith. So really you could say Jesus is our covenant. Our covenant with God is Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. Guess what, just like with Abraham, it's still by grace through faith. Trust in Jesus and God will make you right with him. Not according to what you do, according to what Jesus has done. And I showed you two things about the covenant. One, I said it's by grace through faith. There was a second one, it's for us and our what? Our children, our offspring. Do you see that in the New Testament at all? Yes, you do. I want to show you a little piece of Acts 2. In Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter is giving this big old sermon on who Jesus is and what he's done. And, and, the, and the crowd responds, I love this line, it says they're cut to the heart. So they're, they're hearing it and they're feeling, you're right, I am a sinner, I need Jesus, what do I do? Look, look at what Peter says, Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What do I do? How do I get right with God? Here's what you do, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent, turn from your sin, turn to Jesus, and be baptized. Receive the sign of the covenant. Your old life is dead to sin. Your new life's alive with Christ. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence to live in you. And then verse 39, here it is. For this promise is for you, and who else? It's for your children. And all who are far off, so if you don't have Christian parents but you want in, come on in, trust Jesus. You're in the family. But it's for us and our children, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Here's the first point. We are in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And his covenant is for us and our children. So what do we do now? Well, Psalm 78 gives you this great picture. If you still got your Bibles open, I hope. 488. Just gonna work through this quickly. Look at verses one to three. What's he doing? Give ear, O my people. What's he want you to do? Listen up. Incline your ears to me. O my people, I'm gonna teach you something. And where did he get what he's gonna teach? Verse three. Things we've heard and known, who told us? Our father, so this previous generation told me something, and now what am I gonna do? I'm gonna tell the next generation. Verse four, 
We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation. And what are we going to tell our kids? Verse 4. The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, the wonders he has done. If you think God's glorious and he's done great things for you, you owe that message to whom? Your children. Verse 5, he's saying what I'm saying. God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. So he's saying we're in covenant with God and part of that covenant is for us and our children. Therefore, our responsibility to our children is to what? Teach them diligently. Pass it on. We're in covenant with God. We're in covenant with God and our children. And so we've got to teach them diligently. What's the point of teaching them? Verse 7. So that they should what? We want something from their hearts. Set their hope in God. Do you hope in God because he's great and he's done great things for you? Are you excited that God sent his son for you, the Lord Jesus, to make you right with him, to adopt you as his child, not by your works, but just by his love and by his grace? Do you know that? Tell your children so that they'll hope in God and not forget what he's done. Because, see, we have a problem. Verse 8. What does every generation tend towards? Verse 8. That they should not be like their fathers. What? Stubborn and rebellious. Eh, who needs God? I'm out of here. I'll do it on my own. I'll be my own God. I'll make it up myself, my own authority. No, no, no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. And some of you might say, you know, we should, uh, I'm just going to let my kids decide for themselves. Now listen, when my kids are grown up, they will decide for themselves. They'll be their own people. But some people say, you know, you shouldn't teach your, ki- you shouldn't teach your kids religion. You ever heard that one before? Maybe you're sympathetic to it. Can I make a suggestion? By doing that, you're teaching them a religion. That religion is called secularism, where you don't really think there's a transcendent God who makes that much of a difference, and you're going to make it up yourself. Listen, you have to put your faith in a lot of things to be able to believe that. That's a faith decision. And so by definition, that's a worldview. That's a religion. You're, you're teaching your children a religion. You're never not teaching children a religion. If you sort of go to church casually, but God's not the biggest deal, that's a religion of its own. You're always teaching everyone a religion because you're always living out a religion. The big question is, which one's true? Which one's true? And for Christians, we're putting our eggs in this basket. Jesus is true. And so we're going to teach our children. Look at this, Old Testament, New Testament. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God for every need. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7. You shall what? Teach them diligently to your children. When? All the time. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. When are you talking about who God is and what he's done for you? When are you not talking about it? He's everything. You eat that delicious steak. Isn't God good, right? Teaching your children. You teach them at home, too. Look at Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. Verse four. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but what? 
Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Who's the first responsibility for teaching kids about Jesus? Dads and moms. Teach them. So again, I ask you, why are, we, why are we spending time listening to our kids this morning? It's because of the whole way our relationship with God is set up. God has made a covenant not just with me, not just with the adults, not just with pastors. He's made a covenant with us and our children. And so that means we have a responsibility to him and to them to teach them diligently so that they'll hope in God. And then, you know, if, if you're a Christian parent, you know what I'm talking about. What are you praying all the time? Oh, God. Win my children's heart. Let them know you. Let them see you, right? Oh, God. And how many of you, you've had older kids, so you've been through the weeds of like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> and for some of us, we're still there. For others of us, we've, we've seen God do amazing things. But what do you do when you see covenant children latching on to covenant promises? you got to recognize it and you celebrate it. You recognize it and you celebrate it. Do you want to keep our kids and their faith in the little corner? Or do you want to say, hey, look, this covenant's for us and our children, and our children are believing? Did God care about you when you were a kid, or did he wait until you were mature? Did God love you before you had all your theological ducks in a row? You trust in Jesus, man. You're his child. Can a child trust in Jesus? Are you kidding me? So this is a flag in the sand for these kids. They were baptized. They received the covenant promises, right? Abraham, the sign of his covenant, the righteousness he had through faith was circumcision. In the new covenant, that sign is baptism. Our, the kids of believing parents start in the covenant. They've received the sign, and they've been taught, and they've, shown, and they've been shown Jesus. You know, one benefit of being here for 12 years is seeing kids grow up, being there when Isaiah was just a little baby, seeing him grow up. Uh, seeing Emily and Ariel growing up, Emma, Jackson, my children, watching them growing up, and other, other kids who are in the pipeline who are learning about Jesus. You see them grow up, and you see their faith, their real faith. We teach them, we pray with them, we work for them, we live it out with them. We see their faith. We look for signs of faith. What are, what are signs of real faith? Look, they know the gospel. These kids know the gospel. They know who Jesus is and what he's done. Second, they have a sense that they're, they're sinners and they need him, and they trust in him for that. And they want to follow him. They love God's word. They love God's people. They want to serve, and we've seen that in all these kids. So we're celebrating their faith. And again, I'll say, it's not a, it's not a cuteness competition. And especially these young ladies, look, what can we say? You're cute, right? They're cute. Um, but, but they'll be offended if you think that's all this is. Every one of these kids, th this is their testimony in their words, and they mean what they're saying. They really do. Secondly, it's not about comparison. It's not about comparison. So I, I hope you won't go out saying, oh, that kid's speech was great, and listen, this is them professing their faith. This is what they believe. It's not about comparison. And not only that, I, I want you to know, I don't, these kids aren't like better than the other kids. Okay, how many, many of you know I have a lot of kids, okay? We were at a restaurant last night and an old lady actually came up to me and said, are you Mormon? <laughs> no ma'am, Jesus is the eternal son of God. My kids and I laugh every time we go to Costco, we count up how many, people, how many times people say, oh, you sure have your hands full. 
I like hanging out with my kids, all right? But it's not about comparison. Two of my kids are professing their faith today. Three of them aren't. It's about timing. When are they ready? When do they trust the gospel? When are they ready to profess it? Doesn't mean they're better. It's about the timing of God's work in their lives. That's what we're celebrating. It's not a cuteness competition. It's not a comparison. But we're recognizing their faith. And then because we see their faith, we're including them in the covenant meal. We're including them in the meal. I'll give you a couple slides on this. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. 23 and following, the Apostle Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that, on the, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, I've been challenged with how excited that these kids are to take the Lord's Supper. How many of you, you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, you've taken communion and just been like, another communion. You know, I asked one of the kids, I won't say which one, I asked one of the kids what they're most excited about for taking the Lord's Supper, and this person said, I'm just really excited to adore what Jesus has done for me. Oh. Hey, you know what, we don't just teach our kids. Are you a Christian? You want to adore what Jesus has done for you? Are you excited? Take the Lord's Supper, we get to eat the bread, which represents the body. His life is my life. We get to drink the juice, which represents his blood. He died for me to bring me into God's family. That's awesome. That's his covenant with us. It's our covenant meal. So what are we doing? We're remembering we're in a covenant with God through Jesus Christ, and this covenant is for us and our kids. We train our children so that they'll be faithful to the covenant promises. They will trust in him. And when we see it happening, we recognize it and celebrate it. It's part of who we are. And it's what God has for us.